following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. The PowerPoint says moving forward as as Pastor has um uh, shared with you, we've been we've been in Portugal since 1990, and with you all a little bit before that. So we go back to the previous iteration of the church uh, without Pastor Alfin Tedder and many people that you all know, the Richardsons and and some others as well. It's just been a delight to journey with you all over these many many years, and we're kind of in the final stretch. I'm 62, retirement official retirement is somewhere around 67. So we're thinking, okay, what's this last lap look like? And so that's what we want to share a little bit about this morning. I'm going to give a brief introduction to the ministry, and then we'll go into the message after that. So what does this last lap look like? Well, if you have very good eyesight, you'll be able to know what this last lap looks like. Let me move a little closer over here. It says, resource and empower trainers who will raise up the next generation of ministers in Europe. So over much of our time in Portugal, we have been teachers. We've been training Portuguese men and women to to do the ministry. And our our motto has always been uh, training Portuguese to reach Portugal. And um, in this last phase of ministry, we've seen that shifting. And instead of being involved more directly in the training, what we're doing is we're training trainers or we're preparing ministries that are training Portuguese and now Europe as well. So these are going to be the two shifts, training trainers and then going from a focus on Portugal and broadening that to Europe in some ways. How is that happening? Three things. We see Teofilus at the top, IBTS Learning Network, and Consultation. And we're going to talk very briefly about the three of those. Teofilus. So Teofilus... Go ahead, you can pass on. There we go. Teofilus is a ministry that we started in 2005 in Portugal for a Portuguese-speaking world, focused primarily on Portugal, but it reaches the Portuguese-speaking world, which is, at one point, it was the fifth most spoken language. So it's a fairly significant language. And it's obviously significant to us, too, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Um, it's an online learning community that we started to uh, to help other organizations get training online, but also to offer tra- training directly to, to Portuguese. And our, our motto has been uh, studying God's word anytime, anywhere. In 2005, online learning, online training wasn't as well known as it is today, especially due to COVID. All of us know now what the word Zoom means, does don't we? Yeah. Uh, back then it was a bit different. Well, Teofilus was trying to help those organizations transition into having online education as part of what they could offer. And we've been doing that now for a number of years. And the goal, again, is to resource and empower the Portuguese evangelical community to train. We're going through a process of rethinking our ministry. You could switch to the next slide now. And instead of thinking of us as a school... We're thinking of ourselves as an online learning platform of learning communities. So we're going to broaden what it is that we offer, and they're going to be offered around these different thematic areas like Christian growth and outreach and those others. And there's going to be three aspects to it. The community forum, where we're going to invite people as well as uh, 
individuals, leaders from these different organizations we support, as well as experts in the field, for them to have an ongoing open conversation about these different thematic areas and questions that arise in these different areas. And along with that, we're going to have structured learning activities and we're going to broaden what it is that we offer. Instead of just short courses or longer courses, we're going to have seminars, continue to have courses, roundtable discussions, interviews, etc. So we want it to be a richer experience and we want it to be an experience where it's easier for people to come in and experiment with different things so that the learn so it's easier for them to to take advantage of these learning things. And then the third aspect is a resource hub where they can come together, share resources that they're creating or these experts are creating or these organizations are creating and then again for it to be um, an opportunity for them to have the resources that that they need for their own particular ministries. So, that's the learning community and if you go now to the next one, and that's Teofilush. And Teofilush is focused on the, the Portuguese-speaking world, primarily Portugal. Uh, and that's been historically where we've served. Over the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years, we've seen uh, an opportunity to go beyond Portugal, and that's happened through consultation, which I'll get to in a minute. But through the consultation, we now uh, work in uh, in collaboration with a school called IBTS. It's the International Baptist Theological Study Center, which is in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. And they are putting together a new program called the Learning Network, which, again, is training trainers in various areas of mission. So we have a course on missional leadership. How it is? How is it that people like you and me can follow God's leading and create an opportunity where God's kingdom values are expressed in a certain situation. Situations like freedom of religion or belief, or work with youth and children, uh, creation care, uh, working with immigrants and people who are displaced, those sorts of courses. So this uh, learning network is putting together these, these uh, opportunities with a very unique educational philosophy that we hope as well will be emulated. And I won't say more about that, but again, you could see we are, again, resourcing and empowering, this time, the European evangelical community. So the breach of this is throughout Europe, Eastern Europe, and even Russia, Middle East. It's it's pretty broad, their, their group that they work with. And then finally, we do consultation work. Um, it... it I won't go into the details of how it came about, but somebody encouraged us. Well, I'll give you this detail. Uh, Vicki, for some reason, likes helping schools go through the accreditation process. Uh, and so <laughs> she helped the Baptist Seminary do that twice. And the second time, when we were going through our reevaluation, uh, the people that came from the organization said, hey, you guys should really share your know-how with uh, other institutions. And so that kind of opened the door for us to be invited by some other schools to help them think through online education. And through that, we got connected with IBTS, but we've also had opportunities with other uh, institutions throughout Europe. So we want to see what God might want to continue doing in that area as well. So that's it. Their mission is to resource and empower trainers, people who will be training up the next generation of ministers throughout Europe. Is there any more slides? I can't remember. That's it. All right. 
Very good. All right, so now you can take a breath. We're ready to transition. All right, we're in the Gospel of Luke, and um, I'm just excited about this passage that we're going to be looking at today. It's 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 a powerful passage. Um, but I want to start with a question, not a question, but a, a scenario. Imagine you just won the lottery. Woohoo! Anybody excited? Should we should we put a, an amount on it? Let's say seventy-five million. We'll be modest. Now you're getting excited, aren't you? All right, you just won a lot. You, you have that ticket in your hand. It's safe. You won a lottery, seventy-five million dollars. But then you read the fine print on the back, because this is a special lottery. And on the back, it says that instead of getting the $75 million now, you actually need to sign over your house, your car, and all your savings, and that in some indeterminate time in the future, you'll get the money. Yeah, I don't know about this. What do you all think? Signs, yeah, not that great of a deal, huh? Well, you know what? I wonder if that's similar to what the disciples experienced in the passage we're going to read today. Let me give you a little bit of the context. This, uh, the passage starts out uh, with the disciples finally figuring out that Jesus is the Messiah. Do you remember that? We're going to reread that. I think you all probably looked at that possibly the week before or two weeks before. And they must have been extremely excited. So let's read 18 through 20 of this passage. Uh, is that the next slide? Nothing for 18 through 20? Okay, let me read it for us here, just to give us a little bit of the the context. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples who were with him, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say, Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has arisen. And then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. They just won the lottery. They figured out who Jesus is. And they're with him. Here's the Messiah. If you look at all of human history, everything is building up to the climax of the Messiah coming. And they just figured it out. You, Jesus, are the Messiah. But then they're going to get the fine print. And that's the next verse. And he strictly charged and commanded them, to tell this to no one, saying, completely unexpected, the Son of Man, or the Messiah, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. What in the world is going on here? This was completely unexpected. The Messiah was the big guy, the superhero. And he was going to come and smash all wickedness, all evil, and especially the enemies of Israel, right? And he was going to bring in God's glorious kingdom, and here we are tagging along with him. And all of a sudden, the Messiah says, "Mm, you know that lottery ticket you have in your hand? Well, it's a bit different than what you think. And so, it's not only what the Messiah is going to suffer, And now we enter into our passage. You see, he says, you know what I just said about me? You as well are going to have that privilege. And so let's read that. And he said to them, 
If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Very, very challenging. To follow Jesus requires a willingness to suffer shame and self-sacrifice to the point of death. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this verse in just a second. Why in the world should I choose to follow Jesus? Why in the world should I hand in this lottery ticket, which is going to require me to hand over my house and my car and all of my savings? That's the metaphor that we're using. Why in the world would I want to do that? Well, Jesus is going to tell us in this passage. There's going to be three reasons, as we'll see. But before we get to those reasons, let's dig a little bit deeper into what Jesus says here in verse 23. What is he actually calling us to do? So we see here, it says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. So, in all actuality, Jesus says, If you want to be my follower, you're not the owner of your life. Jesus is. Jesus says, I want to own your life. First and foremost, you live for him and his kingdom. So it means setting aside your interests for the sake of God's kingdom. The New Living Translation says, give up your own way. And it means choosing to live by God's agenda, not mine. Now think of dieting. When I was thinking about what does it mean to put on somebody else's agenda, to to follow somebody else's agenda, when we're dieting, and I know it looks like I don't diet, but every once in a while I get around to it. So when we diet, we, we do two things, don't we? We normally think of saying no, don't we? Saying no to certain foods. And that's certainly true in what Jesus is saying, if you would come after me, let him deny himself. So we're saying no to certain things, possibly a career goal possibly certain friendships, the way we spend our money, our priorities and how we spend our money. There could be a lot of things that Jesus calls us to, to say no. And there could also be things that we say yes to, because in dieting as well, sometimes we're supposed to eat certain things. So things we normally wouldn't want to. Maybe it could be giving the tithe or going beyond the tithe, which you know we just never did as a Christian. Or it could be getting involved in somebody's messy life, because that sure gets messy. Or it could be changing our lifestyle to become more eco-friendly, because we are committed to taking care of God's creation. It could be a lot of things. So when we think about, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, we're talking about embracing God's agenda, and that could mean some new saying no's, and it could mean some new saying, I'm sorry, some some saying yeses as well. And it doesn't stop here. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Now you all know that Jesus was crucified on a cross, and you, you very likely know that the process was the person carried the cross beam through the city to the place he was going to be crucified. And typically that city was lined with people who would ridicule the person carrying the cross. And it's quite likely that we, being enemies of the world, the Bible talks about, will have to suffer that same sort of ridicule, rejection, persecution, 
But of course, carrying the cross primarily means being willing to follow Jesus even to the point of martyrdom, even to the point of being killed. And it's not something that we experience typically here in the United States, but we could go to parts of the world where this is a very real thing. And you all know about the book, Fox's Book of Martyrs. Throughout the centuries, people have been killed for following Jesus, for aligning themselves with him. And did you notice that little word? Take up his cross daily. It's, I think it's a one-time, you know, we make a decision and we move on that path, but it's something that's renewed regularly. It's something where when we're facing a new situation and the say yes or say no question comes up, we have to say yes or say no. It's a daily thing. And then it says, take up his cross daily and follow me. I, when I was musing on that, I thought of two things. I think following Jesus means we want to become learners and listeners of him and his spirit. We want to know what these yeses and nos are. We want to know, what does it mean, Jesus? What do you want? What's this next step for me? I mean, I'm ready. And we want that. And then it also means, obviously, to be ready to experience what Jesus experienced, like we talked about, the cross and all of its shame and pain. So, this is the call that Jesus gives us. This is the fine print on the back of the lottery ticket. Now, why in the world do we want to cash in this lottery ticket? Why do we want to follow Jesus? Well, fortunately, Jesus gives us three really good reasons in the verses that follow. So let's take a look at them. And I think you are going to be very excited about turning in that lottery ticket by the end. You all ready? You sure? Pronto para avançar? He, he said, I'm done with this translation stuff. Leave me alone. I just want to listen to this message. I just said, are you ready to go forward? All right, here we go. Let's read verse 24. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Oh, that sounds kind of odd, doesn't it? Seems counterintuitive. Well, if you want to save your life, you've got to lose it. But if you lose it, actually you're saving it. What's Jesus saying here? I think he's saying there's only one way for us to hang on to our life, and that's giving it away to Jesus. The only way we're going to hang on to our life is by giving it away to Jesus. It's Jesus' agenda, not mine. Now, you may have different responses to this. Some of you might say, my life is such a mess anyway. May as well try this. And that's very legitimate. The more complicated one, though, is, you know, I have a lot to look forward to, and I don't know that I want Jesus messing it up. I think that's the more challenging one, isn't it? And I think um, there might be people here who might be struggling with a response to what Jesus is saying here. You know, he's saying this. I know this is Jesus, and he knows a whole lot. You know, he's God. But really? If I live my own life out, am I really going to lose it? What's going on here? Because i got a lot I'm living for right now. And it's pretty darn good. Let's put that on pause. And some of you who, who know this story, start thinking about the rich young ruler. We'll read that passage in just a little bit. 
But the rich young ruler probably came to Jesus and was struggling with this question too. All right, so we said there's three reasons why we really want to embrace this call of Jesus. And the first one is, there is only one way to hold on to your life, and that's by giving it to Jesus. Because that's what he's saying here in verse 24. Verse 25 is going to give us the second reason. And here, I would suggest that the only way to gain what is worth having is if it is given to you by Jesus. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself. Odd, isn't it? This is another odd saying here. So, imagine being king of it all. Imagine, this is completely imaginary. Imagine you're Bezos' big brother or something like that. And you have everything you could want, and then some. There is nothing that you have to say no to. But you're going to die the next day. Doesn't do you much good, does it? And Jesus is kind of saying the same thing here. He's not saying you're going to die the next day. But he's saying, it could be that good. It could be that rich. But what's it going to gain you when the end comes? Because we have to have that longer perspective, don't we? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? There's only one way to gain what is worth having, and that's if it is given to you by Jesus. All right, let's look at the third reason here. Verse 26, another really odd statement. For whoever is ashamed of me, this is Jesus speaking, whoever is ashamed of me and my words... Of him, the Son of Man, uh, I'm sorry, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of his Father and of the holy angels. Okay? Are you ashamed of me? Hmm. What's going to happen at the end? There is only one side to be on, is the third reason, and that's Jesus' side. When it's all said and done and the end comes, the only thing that will matter is whose side you are on. So, there's only one way to hold on to your life, by giving it to Jesus. There's only one way to gain what is worth having, if it's given to you by Jesus. And there's only one side to be on, and that's the side of Jesus. All right. Now we're going to shift a little bit into application and think about our lives a little bit more. Okay, be honest. You don't have to answer this, but be honest with yourself. Are you afraid of this passage? I know I am. Now, there might be a few reasons why you'd be afraid of this. You could be concerned that this just, I just, I, I can't be faithful to this. This is too much. This is too narrow. This is too, how could I be faithful to this? If that's the reason you're afraid of this passage, don't be. Because you have a big God. And he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. Jesus is giving us the path. He's saying it's narrow. I'm thinking of all these passages throughout the Gospels. It's a narrow path. It's a tough path. There's nothing easy about this. But I am with you, 
and you can do it through my power. Now, there might be another reason why you're afraid of this passage. And we already talked about this a little bit. You might be concerned that you're having to give up something that's pretty darn good. And that what you have now might actually be better than what Jesus has to offer you here. Might be a girlfriend. Might be a future career. Might be a really fun hobby. Might be something a little darker. I don't know. Now, if that's your case, really allow Jesus to be speaking into you here. Because I think you ought to be afraid right now. Because Jesus' words are Jesus' words. Okay. Let me shift a little bit. We're thinking about application. Are we afraid of this? It might be a good thing you're afraid of it. might not be. Jesus wants to encourage you. Let me ask another question. What does this not mean? I think it's easy for us to maybe shift the meaning a little bit in ways that it ought not to be shifted. And one that I'm thinking of in in particular is this one. If it's fun or if it will help me, it can't be God's will for me. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying your life is going to be miserable because I want to make it miserable to make sure you're a faithful follower of me. You know what? Jesus offers us a lot of good stuff, not only in the hereafter, but right now. We're going to look at that in just a second. So don't be, when you're thinking about this, allow the words to really be speaking to you, but don't be thinking that God wants to make your life miserable. He doesn't. He wants to offer us so much more. But the only way to get that is by going on his path, his narrow path. Okay, now I want to bring in, introduce two passages that we already started thinking about a little bit, just to enrich what we're talking about here. If this does seem like a bad deal to you, um, realize that Jesus knows the true path. Um, look at, uh, I think the next passage we're going to look at is Matthew chapter 11. Verses 28 and 29. Don't have that one? Okay, sorry about that. My fault. Let me, uh, I'm going to read that to you. If you have your Bible, please turn there with me. Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29. So Jesus is dialoguing with the group, the the crowds, and the disciples are there. And then he says these these two verses. I don't know why, but I've come back to these two verses so many times in my own life. And they're very, very comforting to me. When we're thinking about Jesus' call on the straight and narrow, or what we've just looked at, denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following him daily, listen to this other call that he makes in another context. But I think we need to look at these calls together because they, they, they help each other, help understand each other. Come to me, Jesus talking, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and what will he give us? Anybody need rest? Rest? I think we all do, don't we? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not what it sounds like when you read the call in the other context, is it? Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. But Jesus is saying, when we put these two passages together, yeah, it's narrow, but it will give you rest. Why? Because it is true life. 
Following Jesus is the path to life. Not only in the hereafter, eternal life, but he is bringing life into our experience. And following him, being listeners of him, being his students, and being willing to do what he would do, what he did for us. That is true life. All right, let me introduce one other passage into this. Um, Luke chapter 18. It's the passage of the rich young ruler. And you don't have this one either, correct? I'll look it up here. Luke chapter 18. The whole passage is verses 18 through 30. Um, and it's kind of long. It's a great passage, and I would invite you to read it at home. Do you all remember this story? This rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus basically says, you're, 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 you're moving in the right direction. You're following God's law. But there's one thing that still you still lack. Give it all away. He's rich. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. That was like having a lottery ticket where you have to read the fine print. And this guy just wasn't willing to hand in that lottery ticket to come give it all up and follow Jesus because he wasn't sure that was it. But now what I want to read is the last part of this. Um, uh, verses. Uh, we'll begin reading in verse 28. And Peter said, Jesus, we have left our homes and followed you. So Peter, speaking on behalf of all the disciples, he's saying, hey, we turned in our lottery ticket. We left it all behind. We have families back home. We're with you in this. We gave it all up. And this is what Jesus says to him. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this life and in the age to come eternal life. Much more. Yeah, that $75 million is coming. It is coming. But not only is it coming, it's already being interweaved in our lives. Remember I said we are on a trajectory of human history. And when you look at that human history from God's perspective, we fell, we entered into death, and he is bringing life back into it. And that decisive moment was when Jesus came. And now we are beginning to experience that life in an already not yet sort of way. But it is life. And it's the only way to experience life. That living in death kind of feels good sometimes. But in the end, it's death. The only way forward is with Jesus. So the only way to save your life is to give it away to Jesus. The only way to have those things that really matter is if Jesus gives it to you. And the only side to be on when it's all said and done is Jesus' side. All right, so we're, we're concluding now. So the worship team um, can begin thinking about what you need to do. Friends, you won the lottery. Congratulations. And now you know what the fine print says too. But it's not bad. It's only better. 
The fine print only makes it better. You're going to get your $75 million and then some. I guess that's a super fine print that, you know, with, with age, that fine print is way too fine. And the super fine print, forget it. But the super, super fine print is you don't even have to wait until the end. Because as you begin following Jesus daily, making those yes decisions and no decisions, you're going to find that life is wonderful. Because it's life the way Jesus intends us to live it. So enjoy your special lottery. One final thing. You can remember this message as you look at that every time you come into the sanctuary. What's it say? That's what we're talking about. It's a radical surrender. But radical is a good thing because it puts us on that narrow path, the only path that is leading to true life. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.